0: All right, so I'd like to pray for us before we uh, jump in here uh, to discuss uh, an interesting topic, one that uh, hopefully I'll be able to provide some clarity, but at the end of this, I'm certain you have questions in your mind that we just don't probably know the answers to uh, because there is some bit of mystery to this uh, area of the spiritual realm because tonight we are talking about Angels, Satan, and demons, something you you don't talk about a whole lot at church, and so hopefully I can address some answers and some things as we walk through it, and um, I'm going to have, I have a lot of little scripture references along the way, I may not read them all, I didn't put them on your handout, so if you're taking notes, uh, be ready, because I may give you some references if you want to go back to look at, look up some things. So let's take a few moments in prayer before we begin tonight, just to pause, and pause before the Lord, and to pray to him tonight. So let's take a few moments in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are reminded as we come to you in prayer of your omnipresence. Our God, you are always there. And Lord, even if our hearts or our minds lose sight of that, it does not change the fact that you are always there. And so Lord, right now as we come to you, we come to you with varying lists of requests, praises, thanksgivings, things that we, you have provided for us that we need to come to you and thank you for. Lord, we come to you with struggles that we have in our personal lives that are just part of our day-to-day, and they may be major life-altering struggles, and sometimes, Lord, they're not really that big, but they sure do feel big to us, and so, Lord, we lay these at your feet tonight because we know um, because of sin and because of our limited power that we are unable to deal with with a whole host of things we have in front of us. And so, Lord, we ask by Your grace to act, to provide comfort, to provide strength, provide healing, provide mending of relationships, Lord, to provide conviction of sin, or provide people to be saved. Whatever it is that, Lord, we see our human inability to do, Lord, we come ask You now for Your ability to do in our hearts and lives. And so, Lord, we trust you to to work and to act. Lord, as we now take these few moments to think about the spiritual realm in which angels and demons do operate, God, may this be a time in which we get a clear perspective on how this should be a part of our walk with you. Lord, for those of us in this room who might take too much of a focus on this, Lord, I pray you might minimize that in our minds. So we, we, don't, we don't think on this all the time. But Lord, for some of us in this room, we don't ever think about it. Lord, help us to be conscious of the spiritual warfare that is going on around us. To know exactly what is happening. And so Lord, we ask that this exercise would be one in which we would learn, but one in which would benefit our personal walk with you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. if you have your hand out there, I'd like to introduce a definition for angels and really demons, because they, in essence, are the same beings. So I'll I'll walk through here, just I'll read the summary, and then we'll, we'll begin to break down exactly what answers we have. Summary, here's angels are highly intelligent, morally good. Spiritual beings that are created by God. I read it slowly so you catch each of the words meaning here. Each has meaning. Some angels rebelled against God. They lost their original goodness and they are now demons. With Satan as their head. They attempt to combat God and his work. And um, in many ways, this is a real truth from the Bible. You know, you read your Bible, it speaks about angels, and it speaks about demons. But in our modern world, it's amazing to see how many misconceptions, how much gets invented about what angels and demons are, that has nothing to do with the biblical picture of who they are. From the TV shows that you see, to the little figurines you see in the store, to, to, down to even the, a little devil with a pitchfork and horns, and all these different pictures that you picked up over the years. Uh, oftentimes people begin to paint their thinking about what the spiritual realities are, By movies and things that they've seen. In fact, you may not even realize that some of the things you might think about angels may not actually be true. In fact, years ago, um, I I was uh, back. Probably, I was in. I think I was in seminary at the time, and I was youth pastor at the church I had grown up in. And we had a we had a young man. Really, was a pretty incredible story. He had. He had, uh, at like 17 or eighteen years old, had contracted brain cancer, and um, through that had come to faith in Christ, and he was a pretty popular kid in the high school, local high school there, and then he 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 used that to now make a great testimony for the Lord. Man, it was just it was just a powerful uh, story, and the kid's name was Aaron Coates. Still remember Aaron? went on mission trips with us, and for several years he battled this brain cancer. Well, um, I think probably it was probably 19, 20 years old at the time, we, we started to see that the cancer was, was gonna get him. He, he wasn't gonna make it. And I remember um, we decided, well, we, all these people that his life had impacted, we didn't want that to wait until after he'd passed for him to see or to get together and talk about. So we had a service for him of just, encouragement where people just came and shared testimony about his life before he'd ever passed so he could sit up actually had to sit in a recliner and we encouraged him and it was really a a powerful night and i remember one of the one of the guys got up and he meant the best of it uh but he got up and he was talking about aaron and he he said aaron you you are an angel among us in fact was quoting what i think if you're familiar with country music there's an alabama song angels among us right well, he was a big country music fan. I think that probably was what fed his knowledge of the spiritual realm. And so he took Alabama's song and applied it to this young man and said, you are an angel among us. Well, I don't know if that's exactly what when the Bible says some of you are entertaining angels when this happened. I don't think that's what that means. In fact, I don't think Aaron was an angel at all. I think it's a misappropriation. So here's where I tell that story just to, To say, I think he was saying a kind word to him, meant it that way, but his understanding of this spiritual realm was painted by a song or some sort of popular culture out there. So here's what I'd like to do is tonight walk through the Bible and give you a picture of what angels and demons are. Now, I'm already just excited and thrilled about whatever questions you might have as we walk through this topic, Uh, because I think they're going to be... We can have a whole host of questions. Here's what I want to say before I jump into the Bible. Is that this is a subject in which there's a lot of stuff when you say, hey, what about this? The answer is, I don't know. In the sense of, the Bible gives us a picture of what we need to know. And then I just don't know past that. And so, we need to be careful about trying to make more of angels than is really what the Lord intended for us to need to know. And I just want to say, some of the questions you might be really wanting to press on, we just just don't know. And so I want to start before there, because I think you may feel, well, this is not, you said that, but what about this, and what about this? Well, I don't know. and The Bible doesn't paint a full holistic picture of angels and demons, because that's not our focus in the Bible. When you ask a lot of questions about God, we have a lot of answers about who God is. Because that's who we should be learning about. So, anyways, I dive into it. That'll be, this may be incomplete. But I do want to provide maybe some, some answers into how you should think about angels and demons tonight. So, uh, if you've read some of the book, I, I have some stuff from the book. I've combined other things uh, from different other theological books. Even some stuff from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Tonight. So, I'll, I'll be answering various questions kind of as I walk through So let's begin with major affirmations about what angels are. So the the first statement here is the status of angels as creatures. In other words, they are created beings. Notice up there in the definition, spiritual beings created by God. Uh, They are a being, they're different than humans, so they're not like a human. So you're never going to have somebody that's hybrid. So in other words, if we're going to call Aaron Coates, the guy I just talked about, an angel, then he was not a person. In other words, there's angels and there's people. People aren't angels. Angels aren't people. And so God has created them. Uh, they are, um, here, here's, a, here's a term I would use, immaterial, or the word used up here in the definition is Spiritual. In other words they don't, they don't have a physical component sometimes the Lord will allow them to have a manifestation where you can see them uh, but there's angels don't necessarily like if an angel's wandering around you don't you don't physically see them they, they are in the spiritual realm they're immaterial they're, they're not made of material in that sense um, here's a question about I'm gonna, this may bounce around a little bit but just I'll try to hit questions as I go. Have angels always existed? So is is an angel a a being that you should think of as like, as always here from um, time, you know, like somebody that's eternal? Angels not eternal. They would be a created being just like we are a created being. Um, We'll get to this in a minute. Some people ask if an angel can sin. In fact, a group of them did. That would be demons. Um, and so uh, that's a bit about who they are. I'll keep expanding this as I go. So hold your thoughts and questions. Let me give it their attributes. There's three attributes given for them. The first one is um, they have intelligence. It means they're smart. They know things. Um, in fact, we'll talk a little bit about this, about demonic influences, because some people want to think like Satan is able to tell the future or able to, to see things or know a lot of things. Angels are not like all-knowing like God. While they are smart, they're able to understand things, they don't possess omniscience like God, because if they did, they would be God. Right, So they are a limited being, not able to see everywhere. So there's this intelligence, but there's a limitation to it. In fact, um, it's interesting, uh, one of the things I read in 1 Peter, I'll just give this reference. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12 speaks about how they can't know salvation like we as people do. God has extended salvation to us, that's just not something they will know as Demons—they won't be able to see that. Here's the second one: holy, means they are morally good. These are these are beings that live in the presence of God. Around the throne of God, they come in and out of. They they do God the bidding of the Lord, so they, there's a holiness to them. Um, and then they are powerful. Meaning that uh, they're again, they're not all powerful. They don't possess, and so again, everything I'm going to. Everything I'm talking about with an angel here, think we're going to flip that in a minute, and we're going to say the same kind of limitation is on a demon. In other words, a demon's not all powerful. There is a certain power to it, because oftentimes an angel will be sent out to carry out the bidding of the Lord. When the angel's sent out to do the bidding of the Lord, they've got to have the power of the Lord to be able to execute that. So there's a power to the angel. In fact, there, I, I'm not sure what you can take from this, but oftentimes when the angel appears to somebody, what's the first thing the angel says? Right. So I don't imagine that they're a, they're, they're a person, a char- you know, when you see their being, that, that it's, it's kind of one of those things you're like, oh, there's, there's an angel. Th- there's something scary about it because they got to say, hey, don't be afraid, right? So, so there is a power to an angel, there, there's something strong about who they are. So these are characteristics or attributes you can use to describe them. They're intelligent. They're holy and they're powerful. Now here's where it's a little bit challenging uh, to ask, are there certain categories of angels? Like is there rankings? are there certain like structures and hierarchies? The answer is yes. But this is one of those you don't want to press too far, because we don't really know all the details. If you, you go to the military, we were to study very long. I could give you a full structure of how the military is laid out, exactly who reports to who, how it's, how it's placed, how, how many people are in this particular group, and whatever it might be. You lay all that out. The angels, we don't have that outline for us. So we we kind of get little snapshots of it. So let me mention a few uh, pieces that might help you with this. The first one is archangels. These are rulers of the angels. Rulers of the angels. So I'll read a verse here. This is one we may reference again later on. But I like to read Jude chapter 9. Jude verse 9. Sorry, Jude chapter 9. Just used to say a chapter. Jude verse 9. It just begins with the description, when the archangel Michael contending with the devil... So, Michael is an archangel. There's a, there's a marked title to, the, to, to Michael. And, uh, in fact, if you look at, I won't read Daniel 10, verse 13, but there's a statement about leading the angelic army. So, there's this sense of where there's an army, and there is a leader, and the archangel is a leader of angels. Now, how many angels, whatever that might be, how the full structure works. In fact, some people would believe... find this reference. Oh yeah, Colossians 1.16 speaks about... It's like powers, rulers, principalities, authorities, and kingdoms, I think is the list. It'll list all these All Some people, some commentators don't think this about that. Some people think that's actually speaking about different rankings in angels. I don't think we really know clearly uh, what that is. But I do think there is some sort of structure... And hierarchy to them. And in fact there's different. Um, names used. So we have the archangel. Which clearly is kind of like. A leader of angels. We also have different names used for angels. There's one called the cherubim. Uh, they're described. So a cherubim would be somebody like. Um, when Adam and Eve. Are kicked out of the garden. They are placed at the entrance to the garden of eden to protect and say basically you can't come back in there's a sense of there's an angelic being there's a being that the lord has called to do his bidding to protect the garden of eden that's genesis three twenty four. Um, another one you could speak about are the seraphim where uh what's one of the more famous passages where the seraphim are Anybody know Isaiah 6, we're pretty familiar, most of you would be familiar with it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, they're all around the throne of God. It speaks about the seraphim who are, you know, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, it talks about how they have uh, six wings, two they cover their face, two they cover their feet, two they're flying Uh, So there's a description of them, but they're kind of at the bidding of the Lord. One goes and gets the coal and carries it, puts it on Isaiah's lips. So there's a sense of like an angel is there to carry out the Lord's bidding is the picture that you see and to be there to worship the Lord. Revelation 4.8, you see the same seraphim around the throne. So somebody wants to go, okay, well, how do the seraphim, the cherubim, and archangels all work together? I don't I don't have like this biblical text that tells me how all that plays out. This is a window you get into it. You get to see a piece of these different ways in which angels interact in the Bible. Um, there's one other name. There's only two angels named in the Bible that you get. Michael, I've already mentioned. Anybody know the other one? Gabriel, right? The reference there would be Luke chapter 1. Fact is, let's look at that one. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Gabriel's the one who announces to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph House of David, the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in the womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And then the rest of the description of who Jesus is. So you have this announcing, we'll get to this in a minute about what an angel does. But just, I want to draw out this point from verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This is a good moment. You you don't think about it. But in verse 26, you get the idea an angel's not omnipresent. An angel has to go somewhere. Just like you have to go somewhere. So, um, if that angel was in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord sent Gabriel to Nazareth. So, So, you get the sense of they are a created being that can... Be it, is it in one place at one time, uh, they're not. I know sometimes you want to take godlike qualities and place them on an angel or a demon. They're, they don't possess those, sir. Yes. So we'll go to that in a minute because I think it's what we want to say is that we're not. Uh, I would say Satan, Lucifer, the devil is also the same restricted way. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and say it now because I think it's a question. Uh, for a long time in my mind. I'll just jump to this point, is to say that when we talk about the devil or Satan, because he's the leader of all the demons, oftentimes you, in most stories, when you kind of have the protagonist and antagonist, you kind of hold them up and they're like equals and just kind of battling, and then one ends up kind of being stronger than the other. So you kind of put like God and then Satan, and you kind of get this like, there's this battle piece, and they're kind of these equal powers. Well, Well, that's ridiculous. Because we have God, and then we have Satan down here. He is a created, God is the one who is making the creation he's a part of. There's not some sense in which Satan has this equal power, and he's all powerful, and they're battling it out, and God's just a little stronger. I mean, they're not even in the same category. So you need to think about Satan is also in the same way here. If he's a created angelic being that fell and rebelled against God... He can only be in one place at one time. He may lead the army of demons. There's very likely you may have never actually, we've never personally ever interacted with the devil. He's never been near us. He is only in one place at one time. Does that make sense? So so there's a limitation there uh, with them. So I, I think you draw it here from the angels, and then I would press that over to say the same about the devil. Yeah, the Antichrist would be something different. So, uh, how many angels? Uh, a lot is probably the best answer I got for you. <laughs> Too many to count. I'll give you two Bible references on it. Uh, just You can go look these up later, but Hebrews 12.22 and Revelation 5.11 speak about a multitude and a host and a large number. So, you know how many there are? It's a lot. An interesting uh, question we can answer here, you might not think about, you might might say, okay, well, I don't think, well, can angels get married? Well, that's a random thing to know, right? I mean, there's a lot of things we don't know about angels, but can they get married? The answer is actually no. Uh, Jesus will say this at one point in time. I'll give you the verse scripture reference, Matthew twenty-two thirty. He'll actually, in comparison, speak about us being married and say, "Well, you can't. Angels don't get married." So let's speak a little bit about their power. Uh, angels' power—it's more than us on earth, but less than us in heaven. So the reference I'll give you, I'll, I'll try to read these kind of quickly. Uh, Hebrews 2.7 says, You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory. Speaking about man. We are lower than the angels here on earth. Uh, the reversal of that, and without jumping all the way to it, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.3, but when we get to heaven, there'll be a greater than at that point. But, but even here on earth, you have to understand that your power is less than an angel. I will transfer that over. It is also, if an angel is that powerful, a demon has the same abilities. So we need to be very careful with demons. Now, we'll get to this in a minute, but we're speaking about powerful beings, particularly if you are here on earth, thinking about these spiritual beings, you are less than, as Hebrews chapter 2 speaks about. Um, some people ask, when were angels created? It's, it's not really... Clear. But I would say this before the seventh day. So when we talk about creation in Genesis, before we get to the seventh day, in those six days, at some point in time, and some people say when the heavens are created, or you could you could speculate where in there it happened. The Bible doesn't connect it to a particular point, but at some point in time, the angels were created. And I'll get to this in a minute when I speak about the fall of angels, when we talk about demons. Before we get to the garden, when Satan shows up in a serpent, that somewhere in there, the demons fell as well. So it all, that all happened really early. They were created in the six days, and they also rebelled early. But it all, it's not like that's always been that way, and angels and demons have always been around. They are part of the created order that God has made. All right, so let's talk about their activities. Here's just a few. I mentioned some of this earlier. So, so we talked about their attributes. I've answered a few random questions along the way. <clears throat> but what are some of the things that they do? They do revelation for God. In other words, they deliver God's message. Um, this was interesting. I, I'd not seen this before as I was studying today. Acts seven fifty three. I won't go read it, but it speaks about how angels even delivered like Old Testament Mosaic law. So you think about it in the Old Testament, laws are delivered. At least in Acts 7, it speaks about angels were actually delivering the Mosaic Law. They were, they were messengers for God for the law. Even the transfer to the New Testament, we just read Luke chapter 1, they were messengers of God's declaration of Christ. So like they were uh, speaking the revelation of how Christ was coming. Uh, they act in his service. So uh, an example here, Acts chapter 12. Verses 16 through 17, verses 6 through 17 speaks about how they're in prison and the angel comes and unlocks the, you know, like the prison doors or whatever. Uh, there's a sense in which God sends them in the world and in his service he is acting. They're acting in the world. Um, and the third thing they will do is they worship him. So you say, what, is, what do angels do? They reveal truth from God. They act in his service to do things he wants and he, they, they worship God. Now, tragically, um, angels didn't all stay faithful to God. So let's look at that a little bit. Let's speak about the fall of angels. This is where we'll turn our focus to Satan and demons. Let's begin with the idea of, in general, we speak about demons, who are they? Demons are evil angels who sinned against God and who now continually work evil in the world. And uh, I'll give you a few scriptures. I want to read a few with you here because you may not be as familiar with them. Uh, And these are ones that um, seem to allude to it. The first one is probably the most veiled one, but it seems to allude to what happened to the Lord in Isaiah chapter 14. I think I'll put this one up on the screen. I'll read it to you. Just a few verses. Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 15. Listen to the scripture. How you are fallen from heaven, old day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the far reaches of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High, but you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. It's this idea of somebody attempting to be like God and ascending the throne, and the Lord rejects him and sends him to Sheol, to the pit. The Lord judges him. This picks up in the New Testament. I'll give you two Uh, references. One's the one we've already mentioned. And I'll go back to it for this reference. It's Jude verse 9. But when the archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses. And so there's a sense at which now you see that the devil is now contending against the other angels. He, He has rebelled against them. So you get this the angels and the demons are against each other. And then um, probably the, the best verse in here is is Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. In fact, this is probably the clearest one. It says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sin, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the day of judgment. In fact, he's making a point about something else here, but he uses angels as an example, basically saying if he didn't hold back judgment on Other people, why is he going to hold back on you? But he uses angels as an example to say, when they rebelled against me, I judged them and cast them out. So we get this picture through these three verses about how angels, now they desired, these angels desired sinful things, and in the process, the Lord cast them out, and then they came on this category of demon. And so that would be, where we get this idea of how demons came to be. But again, we know the serpent was in the garden, so it had to happen sometime really early that they rebelled against God. So, so who, who is their leader? Um, one, of the, one of the best passages on this, I won't spend a whole lot of time tonight because of just limited time, is Job chapter 1 when it speaks about Satan. It talks about how he's roaming to and from the earth, so that gives us another idea about how he's only in one place at one time. Um, and then he comes into the presence of God. In fact, God invites him in. There's a sense at which it's not like Satan barges in and God's wrestling with him. Everything Satan is doing in Job chapter 1 is completely under the sovereign hand of God. So so you don't don't get this idea that somehow he's just this wild card. Uh, God's hand is there. He's the the king. And uh, he is the leader. Job chapter 1 verse 6 speaks about how he's the leader of all the demons. Let's speak a little bit about his name. Satan means adversary or stands against God. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, he's the serpent. I'll, I'll give you, I've got five or six here. I'll, I'll just quickly roll through them. Genesis 3, he's the serpent. In John 12 31, he's the ruler of this world. That's how he's described. John 12, 31, ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he is the God of this world, is how it describes him. Matthew 4, 1, it calls him the devil, or the word when we say the word devil, what we're saying is the accuser. He is the one, it stands as our accuser. Luke eleven fifteen, 15, the term Beelzebub, or Beelzebul, describing him. Luke eleven fifteen, 15. Ephesians 2, 2 talks about how he's the prince of the power of the air. That's how it describes how we were once sons of disobedience. We were, once we were followers, before we were Christians, we were followers of the prince of the power of the air. In other words, before you become a Christian, you're not neutral. You are a follower of the devil. And in Matthew 13, 19, he is the evil one. So just some listing of descriptions of who he is. Uh, Satans are opposed to and try to destroy every work of God. Uh, let me let me speak a little bit. I've already said this already, but let me talk about how they have limited control and power. Okay? Limited control and power. The first one way they're limited is they only can do what God will allow. Job chapter 1. God, well what what can I do? The Lord allows. So so they are limited in their control of what only God will allow. Um, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, uh, they are, they don't know the future. So just something to pause on here for a second. You often think uh, sometimes people get in demonic activity and they start thinking about, like, you get all kinds of fantastic, fantastic stories. How, how do people explain when people can know the future? It seems demonic. Um, Sometimes people talk about um, like fortune tellers or some of that stuff gets out there pretty good. Here's how it can be explained, is if you have an army of demons that are roaming to and from the earth, and if they are able to observe all kinds of things in life, and I can see things, maybe not everybody can see, because I'm in places maybe not everybody can see, I can be a pretty good predictor of things that might happen. That you might be surprised. In other words, they, they're, they're able to roam to and from. They're able to see things. They can't, here's the thing, they can't read your mind. You think your thoughts, like, like you can talk to God in that sense. They're not able to tap into your brain and unpack all of your thoughts like God can. Um, so all of those things uh, are true. They're limited in their thought. The ability to read your mind, uh, know the future, and only can do what God will allow. So we'll get to spiritual warfare in a second because I want to talk about that at the end. Let's speak about major errors to avoid. So here's, here's one thing to say. Uh, the first one is embracing this doctrine but engaging in significant speculation about angels and demons. So I prayed. I kind of I put this in my prayer because really this is one of one of the dangers is going to be an overblowing of the idea of who these are. Like you are you're speculating. You're you are you are taking the focus and placing it too much on this area, um, and you are adding things to it. You, there you are you're expanding. So let me go through a few of them that I want to mention. Uh, that maybe you say, well, is this true or is this not? The first one is, the Bible doesn't actually say we have guardian angels. It's like, well, yep. like, in other words, we talk about my guardian angel, like my personalized angel that God assigned to Mike, right? There's one my guardian angel. Now, now it is true that angels do uh, guard us. In fact, um, the verse I give there is uh, Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, speaking about uh, the, the angels that are guarding us and us. Protecting us, so they may guard us. But it's not like I got my own personal one. There's not a sense of we talk about guard, a guardian angel that is your own one uh, is not a biblical idea that you want to cast on something. Here's the second thing I would encourage you not to do: is uh, don't pray to angels. In other words, if you want an angel, if an angel needs to do something for you. Who's the one that tells an angel what to do? God. Talk to him. So allow him to send His beings to do His work. So our prayers are addressed to the Lord, and when He decides to protect you, He dispatches what He needs to dispatch. So you don't want to pray to angels to flip that. you don't want to speak or pray to demons. I'll get to that in more in a minute. Uh, some of us over, uh, another one is overstressing the influence of angels and demons. Um, meaning uh, this is where I'm going to step out there a little bit. Uh, You you start talking about people like cast, doing these like big demonic, you know, you're going to pray over and cast out all these demons and we get into this realm, we're casting out. Uh, Here's all I would say. We need to be really careful with a lot of that. Most times when we're thinking about that, I'm not sure we're casting out demons. Let let me press you to your Bible for a moment. There are certain activities and things that happen around what we would call apostolic times for Christianity. You get in the book of Acts, when Christianity is paving new territory, all of a sudden things start happening. People start understanding the gospel in other languages. People start being healed. There's these these gifts that seem to show up. Because God is working in kind of that that beginning area as as these gifts show up. As Christianity and as churches get established and the Lord pushes that through, you you see these gifts kind of pull back. So where we see these gifts, I think most, uh, the places I feel like it's the healthiest and right, is you see it happening on a mission field on a frontline spot. So... If I, if I hear of it there, I'm, I'm a little more apt to think of that being something that happens. But here's what I've impressed you to I can take you to all of the Bible and, and show you all these things the Bible calls for you and me to do as Christians. Let's go to the instruction manual for where I am called and told as a church of how we ought to proceed at casting out demons. Like, is that something you see the New Testament churches being instructed to do? You have this great instruction on, hey, one of the things you ought to do is get together every once in a while, find the demons of the people, and cast them out. You don't hear that. Because that's not something that is an emphasis of something we ought to be focused on. So if that becomes a primary thing or a major deal, and I'm hesitant to say there's never a moment there's not some sort of spiritual warfare with demonic powers. I am sometimes concerned that we can be over, we overbill that. And again, if something comes up, I'm just going to talk to the Lord. The Lord's the one that dispatches and deals with whatever's there. I don't need these over, you know, casting out big, big dramatic procedures. We need to be careful with that. Um, don't be overly focused on demons. In other words, I would encourage you to go out and do a whole lot of study in the demonic realm. You're a Christian. Don't do that. That's not where your heart is. That's what you care about. Um, let's see if I get a couple more here. You know, here's another one. Blaming personal sin on demonic activity. Let me give you the phrase that I don't like. The devil made me do it. Right? You did it, right? Now, I don't, I, I don't want to discount the fact there might not be some sort of demonic influence. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, why is Satan so filled your heart that you've lied now to the Holy Spirit? But it wasn't, why is Satan so filled your heart that he made you lie to the Holy Spirit? No, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Satan was influencing. So I, I go to that point just to say that um, don't blame every sin you have on demons, because every sin you have is not demonic. You can sin without any help from a, a, a demon at all. You don't need that. Now there are, I don't want to take away Now here's why I'm going to come back in a moment and say this, is I don't want to take away from some of that impact. I just don't want us to overemphasize that. I think it's where people get wrapped to the devil, the devil made me do it, or the devil's the one at work here." You know, it's a little bit dangerous for us to say, "Well, the devil's at work in all this. I don't, I don't know. Um, so just be careful with your overemphasis of demonic activity. Um, here's the second half. The other one is neglecting this or, or treating it as if it's not there. Um, and this is probably, I guess you may pick up my personality or whatever it is, I probably fall too far maybe to this side sometimes. It is not understanding that there is a presence of spiritual warfare happening. That just even right now, In your life, there is a battle for your soul. The Lord is at work. Now, now the thing is, though, I'm not worried about if God wants something, God gets it, right? I'm not, this isn't like God's walking around. I just can't make it happen, you know. Uh, But it's for us to say there is spiritual warfare happening. There is another realm involved here. But again, there's a reason that you don't end up with a whole lot of teaching that teaches you these fantastic ways to deal with the spiritual realm. In fact, you go to, you think about talking about dealing with spiritual battles. I was going to try to end with this, but I probably won't have time. But you go to Ephesians 6 when it talks about the armor of God and talks about the gospel and the Bible. And the way you battle spiritual battles is to do the basic things you do of your Christian faith. That's how you're fighting spiritual battles in that realm. You're not doing these fantastic odd things. You're just walking with God. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. Those are spiritual battles. So, so don't, don't invent this. Extra. But I, I'll say a couple things here. Is, uh, don't underestimate the devil or don't underestimate demons. I, I, I'm telling you, if, here, think about it like this. If it's just you and the demon, you lose. Don't think you can take on the demon and win, right? You, you have to go to the Lord and then all of a sudden... There's no contest at that moment, right? And don't underestimate the power of angels in light of the service of the Lord. So underestimate what all can be done by either one. So how can we enact this doctrine? What do we do with this? Let me give you a a few things here. I think you have these on your sheet. First is know they are there. Know, Know that they are there with us. They're worshiping you with us in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, know that they're there to help us in distress. Daniel chapter 6, the angels that are in the lion's den. Know that they can be there in tough and difficult moments. Uh, Cautions as you enact this doctrine. I've already mentioned false doctrine from angels. Uh, do, Do not worship them, pray to them, or seek them. All right, so <laughs> let's hit a couple things here. I'll, the last one is, what, what about demon possession? I'll, I'll talk about that one for a second. Um, there is a sense in which demons can have great influence. So, in fact, a couple different people interpret it different ways of how demons can take on and impact people. You see it all in the, especially the Gospels. But again, these are unusual moments. Um, You don't see it nearly as emphasized as you get into the churches, and the letters to the churches. You see spiritual warfare, but you don't see like stuff that's happening when Jesus is walking around. But we also don't see a lot of things that were happening like when Jesus was walking around, right? He's walking around doing all kinds of miracles and all kinds of stuff. He was the son of God walking the planet, right? So there's some significant things happening around him. So I just encourage you not to take, well, when Jesus did this, we're going to multiply it out. I think you go to the New Testament letters and you all of a sudden see um, people interacting with this a little bit differently. So there's more here. I mean, I've got references and all kinds of stuff. I've been rifling questions and things and thoughts at you tonight. I, I think the, the piece to draw away from here is to be aware and to see this in your Bible but to not be overly focused on it. I don't think the Bible there's a reason that you come to church and we don't talk about this a ton is this, think about, we've talked through in this class the book of James, I think we've done Galatians, we've done Ezra and Nehemiah, we've done am um, trying to think of the different books, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, uh, we've talked through multiple books of the Bible. Think of how many times we've talked about this. Verse to verse to verse. It's just not something that is a, a point that Christians, they know it's there, but the Lord is the one operating there. The things you focus your energy on are the basics of the faith that you know you ought to do. And then the Lord is at midst in the work of the battles that, that go alongside of it. So, um, anyway... I don't want to muddy the, I've got a few questions here, uh, but a few other things here, but I don't want to muddy the waters too much more. Uh, I would encourage you to take something like Wayne Grudem's, uh, Systematic Theology was a good one, that has more questions and answers in there that you could look at on some of this, uh, and also our book had some more stuff in it that I didn't get to tonight. So I'd love to talk, we, we're out of time now, uh, if you have questions afterwards I'd love to to tell you that I probably don't know the answer to them or whatever it might be. And there, there is some more, like, here's a verse that may lend to this answer, but I, I want to get you the, the general idea um, and the understanding of exactly some truths around this. So let me pray for us, then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, it, it is a good reminder to understand just how serious the battle is going on around us, in particular the spiritual battle and the spiritual realms, to understand that, that Lord, there is an unseen world that we do not see. And in many ways, the Bible doesn't even tell us what all is going on there, Lord. I, I, I don't know what currently right now you are doing to preserve and to protect us. We don't know, Lord. In fact, you intend for us to just look to you and trust you. So Lord, tonight we come and turn our hearts to you. We ask for your protection. We ask for your strengthening. We ask for you to lead us not into temptation. We we ask for your help as we resist the devil and his schemes in this world. We, We ask for your help as we attempt to walk daily in holiness, and that, Lord, we would understand just what it means to follow you and to be protected and cared for by you on a daily basis. So we thank you for these truths and these moments in the scriptures. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.